Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Good, good. Thanks, Ash and William. William had to come back up for a second blessing. Oh dear, let's not get into that. Um, so good to be um, on our on our journey through these six um, uh, disciplines, I suppose you could put them into the life of every believer. And what we've done on these, it's hard to believe that we're actually in number five of the six of them. It's hard to believe, and we're on the second Sunday of that as well. And and, and the reason that we've done these, you, you, we've told you this week after week, that we just don't want to believe who Jesus is, or we don't just want to believe what he did, we actually want to believe that we could actually walk in his ways. And that's the whole idea of this. And so it's important that we understand that. And so when we come to mission, which is really important, remember last week I said to you that one of the things that I do, one of my little things that I try to do when I, when I start to prep a sermon, I start to think about what I'd love people to be walking out with and last week, this was the idea that um, how to live a God-shaped life. You'll maybe remember it. If you weren't here, you should grab her on the podcast or the live stream archive, and you can find out a little bit about how to follow Jesus by taking up your cross daily, um, denying yourself and following him. This week, I want to I wanna talk to you a little bit about this here, all right? Now, it's very simple, but it's very profound, and I want you to remember it. All right, Jesus is Lord. That's what I want you leaving here thinking today. I want you thinking Jesus is Lord. That'll come a little bit clearer as we talk on, all right? When, when, we, when we try to explain mission in the church, it's hard to do that without um, understanding the life of Jesus because Jesus was the centerpiece of the story of God. He was the centerpiece of the story of God, and he was the centerpiece of the mission of God towards the world. And so we are called to walk in his image. We are called to be image bearers, and, and so it's really important to do that. And so as we look at mission, as we've done with all of them probably, it's hard to look at it. You maybe remember last Lord's Day, I tried to sort of frame a little bit of a, a foundation for where mission came from. And then I said to you, as I returned to it this week, and it's hard, it's hard to look at mission without sort of reversing and, and looking with a wide lens at the scripture. And to do that, um, probably the best way to do it is to look at three or four key chapters in the Bible that link us together when it comes to mission. And I'm going to sketch that out for you really, really quickly in the time that we have. The first one um, is the detail of the original mission, and this is the idea of what we want to talk about, but the, uh, is in, in Genesis 1. I have it on the screen um, so we can run through it. It's in the NIV. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. See that? In our likeness. See the language? That they may rule. So they're created in the image, in the likeness of God for a job. They had a job to do that they would rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures and move along the ground. 
Some people say, oh, the creepy crawlies weren't made before the fall. Oh, oh, there you go. Um, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, here's the charge, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over the living creatures that move on the ground. So here's the charge. Here's the original design of mankind is that they would, they would subdue the earth, they would fill the earth, they would increase it in number, they would fulfill the mission of God in doing so, and they would subdue what was unruly, all right? Because there, there was something to take charge of. Um, Psalm 8 is another great passage, actually, the word dominion only mentioned twice in Genesis 1 and in Psalm 8, it's not in the NIV, but in the original King James Version, it's there, and this is Psalm 8, it says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, you have set your glories in the heavens, see the language again, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies, to silence the foe of the avenger, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels, crowned them with glory and honor. You made them, see it here, made them rulers over the works of your hands, and you've put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So as you can see from these couple of passages that they show us the original destiny. They show us sort of the original mission that we were called to as men and women. And we were called to fill the earth with the presence of the Lord. That was our mission. We were to be presence bearers, image bearers of the King of Kings himself, of God. We were supposed to extend the borders of Eden, and we were endowed with glory and honor in the image of God himself to do so, and our job was to co-rule. Isn't that amazing? Our job was to co-rule on the earth, stewarding and harnessing the potential um, of the glory of God here on planet earth. That was the job. And it's important to understand the original mission so we can rediscover it in Christ, all right? If we don't understand the original mission, then it's hard for us to actually rediscover it because that's what God wants us to do. He's called us to rediscover it in Christ. So you know the story then, Genesis 3, we have the um, enemy, the serpent comes in, beguiles um, because the, the job is to, to fill this earth, to fill the whole earth with the presence of God. God's idea is to redeem it all back to himself. And so in Genesis 3, with this story, it says, this is after man has sinned. It says, then the Lord God said, the man now has become like one of us, knowing good from evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand to take from the tree of life and eat forever. I suggest to you the reason for that was he, God could not now allow him to live forever. He had to die, or else he couldn't have been redeemed. Imagine if he could eat of the tree of life, God, then he couldn't be redeemed, because he would live forever in a sinful state. 
And so he has to guard the tree of life. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim with a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So the, the mission of God has taken in five minutes. We've sort of looked, um, we've, we've, we've went through the original design We've looked at the drastic turn for the worst because essentially there was a rebellion from humanity towards God. And by the way, of course, that all began because there was a rebellion in heaven, in the heavenly realms as well, but we haven't time to say that. So, so we see chaos after creation. The creation of God, then comes chaos. So bad, so bad was it that by the time we reach Genesis 6 and Genesis 7, God's deciding to wipe it out. He's deciding to wipe it out and start again. So he does. And he sends the flood. We know the story. He sends the flood and he wipes out all the earth and only one family, it says, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so with Noah and his family, he starts again with the promise to replenish, be fruitful, fill the earth. But again, again, it doesn't go to plan. By by chapter 11, we have this group of people who decide to build a city and a tower. God's saying, I want you to go and fill the earth. They say, no, we're going to stay and build a city, and we're going to build a tower that, that sort of points to ourselves, and there's a whole lot of mysticism to that that I haven't time to go into, but it's a great study in Genesis 11. And so instead of doing what God told them to do, they're, they're doing this, they're, they're doing their own thing, and God has to come down and confuse their language at the Tower of Babel, which meant God had to scatter humanity. God is pushing them out all the time. He's pushing them out, all right? And so for the mission of the world, this was kind of a, a reset to win back humanity who were originally supposed to fulfill it. And God had to get his image bearers back if he was ever going to see his mission and his dream for the world fulfilled because that's all he has ever wanted to do. Those created in his image, he wants to use to fill um, the earth with himself. And so then, Genesis 12 is probably one of the most important chapters in the Bible. And you've got to grab Genesis 12. You've got to understand it to understand the gospel story, I believe. So I've given you the whole idea, the original creation, the chaos that followed, God then re re redoing it all again under Noah, it going bad again, him, him pushing all the people out after uh, the Tower of Babel, chapter 11, and here we come to chapter 12. And God finds one man, a guy called Abram, and he says to Abram, this is what he says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So here we see God getting his story back on track. And at this stage, at this stage, what God has to do is to actually leave all the other nations aside. He pushes all the other nations aside, and he chooses one nation, and he actually chooses one man who carries the heart of God. And out of that one man, 
He actually even changes his name from Abram, father, to Abraham, father of many. This guy at this particular time didn't even have a child. And so God has to refocus on one man. This is the most incredible thing. And he chooses a wandering man. He chooses this sort of man, the seed of the promise, the seed of the mission. And, and the heart of God, I believe, was implanted into Abram to carry that mission. And God's going to bless Abram. He's going to bless his descendants who will become the children of Israel, of course. Uh, so that, And this is crucial, that the whole world will be blessed through this family. This is an incredible thing. And, and so it's a bit like this here. In the God story, Adam teaches, in the God story, Adam Cox teaches a little bit about um, how sometimes what happens is we see, we see ourselves. So if you think of Abram here, um, and then, of course, the, the, the children of Israel here, and then the, the, the other nations of the earth here. That's not what God was thinking. That's not what God was thinking. We tend to think a bit like this, but what God was thinking was God was thinking all the time of the whole world. He was thinking of the big picture all along. He was thinking of a, of a nation, um, Israel in the middle, and then he chose a man. So here, it's a bit like that, all right? So instead of us thinking like it's all about us, and if we can just influence something, then this might influence something else, God has the bigger picture all in plan. God, God is a, God, God's idea was always to redeem the world. Always to redeem the world. And then that he chooses a nation, and, and to, to get that nation going, he chooses a man. This is the most incredible thing. And when you grab this, you begin to see mission at its fore. You begin to see what's really powerful. And from this point on, we see the slow winding story of Abram's descendants, the children of Israel, led out of Egypt into the wilderness. We see the heart of God. We see them called a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We see a, a family that would be the connectors of the heart of God to the brokenness of the world. That's what they were supposed to be, all right? A nation that would reveal the, the reign and the rule of God on earth. And at this point then, the commandments are given and the Torah was written, and the rest of the Old Testament, basically, all right, just giving you now from Genesis to Malachi, the rest of the Old Testament um, is the story of God trying to help Israel to understand this, reminding them time and time again, every time they failed, reminding them of their vocation. He reminded them many different ways, mainly through the prophets, and there was a prophet in the Old Testament called Isaiah, and this is a verse that he said, um, when Isaiah is challenging the people of Israel, he says, Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept? I will also make you a light of the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This was God's desire for Israel, that they would be the light of the nations. And ultimately, they have failed to live up to that and to this vocation and many times actually did the opposite um, they didn't reflect God's ways at all. They didn't do things that would conform to this. And, and, and these things would, would, would just wouldn't reflect God or wouldn't reflect what God wanted to show to the world. And we see glimpses of, little glimpses, I suppose, through the Old Testament of what God wanted to do. But in reality, in reality, it's going to take something more substantial to change this. And that something more substantial was Jesus. It's going to take Jesus to come to show the world what God is really like. 
He's been trying to do it right through the Old Testament with the nation. But Jesus comes into the world to reveal the Father. Remember, um, in, in, in the early stages where Philip, one of the disciples, said, show us the Father. And Jesus says this. He says, he that has seen me has seen the Father. What he's saying is, if what you see, what you see in me is the attributes of the Father. I and the Father are one. And so Jesus comes to reveal the Father and to proclaim that something new is happening, something new regarding the mission of God, the kingdom of God is now at hand. And because he has come, because this is the kingdom, he has come, the reign and rule of the kingdom is now accessible in a whole new way. I love this because Jesus God himself manifest in flesh, the connector of heaven and earth is now on earth. And you're going to see with your own eyes what the reign and the rule of God really look like because we see it in Jesus. And Jesus described the kingdom of God as declared through his coming. He declared this kingdom as his rule and his reign. And we see that Jesus was on a mission. Jesus is on a mission to restore back what has been stolen, what the enemy has stolen. And he has shown us a different way to do that through love and influence and a way to live by. And this is where these six practices come in. It says that as one John, um, it says that the reason that Jesus actually appeared in the earth was to destroy the works of the enemy. So he has come to actually set at naught everything that has happened for the last 4,000 years. He has come, 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the enemy. So Jesus' mission on earth was to destroy the curse and the strongholds of the enemy and show us a whole new way of living. And the core message of mission was this. It was this, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So Jesus would come with this, this powerful message to repent, to turn around, to, to see the rule and the reign of God. It wasn't by turning over a new leaf. It was by a complete reversal, a complete turning round to see the rule and the reign. You're going to have to repent. You're going to have to turn from your own ways. You're going to have to turn from your sin. You're going to have to turn from your independence. And you're going to have to take a new way of seeing, a new way of perceiving. It's going to be a thing of the Spirit. You're going to be born by the Spirit into the kingdom, and the king is going to take up residence in your heart, so it's not going to be out there. It's going to be in here, and in as a resident in your heart, the power of the kingdom is going to move through your life. This is what we call the gospel of the kingdom. Christ in us. We've talked about this so many times. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And because this message that Jesus was talking about was, was not just the message that individuals needed saved, which was, was great, but it, it was something bigger and more beautiful. It was a redemption of all things. It was God trying to redeem the world back to himself, making everything new in Jesus. And so at the very center of Jesus' mission was this culmination of Jesus' life and ministry. And of course, he, he, he displayed this ever so powerfully when he went to the cross, which we reminded our hearts of as we took communion this morning. And it's through the power and the victory of the cross that we begin to see things turning and everything that has gone wrong starting to be turned around for good. We see, we see millions and billions of people now on the earth following King Jesus because the mission has caught in their hearts. And so, we might say that this is the beginning, the cross was the beginning of the redemption 
of all things. What I want you to see this, this, this morning is that it's more than just about me. It's more than just about little me sitting here in the seat. This is a, God has a bigger plan of redemption that's going to blow us all away. And Colossians 1, 15 to 20, in the message version, is really, really powerful for this. Let me read it to you. It's on the screen. It says, we look and see the sun and see the, the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created for everything, absolutely everything. Do you see this? This is not just about the individual. Absolutely everything, above and below, visible, invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and it holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme to the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone so spacious as he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken, listen to this, all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. <sighs> that, look at the, it takes your breath away. A passage like that just takes your breath. This is beautiful. This is so beautiful because of this, we are called with him. This is the thing. We are called to join him in this project, this dream, this mission to see all things redeemed becomes part of our mission. This is why we're doing outward focused Christmas. We walk with the same spirit that was in Christ, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in us. That's the most beautiful thing. And through salvation, we get to bring life everywhere we go. So when you walk into your workplace tomorrow, you bring life. When you walk into your school, you bring life because it's Christ in you. We get to discover our original kingdom mandate is to steward life to the whole earth. That's our kingdom mandate. And we become carriers. We become distributors. We become connectors of heaven. And we proclaim the good news. God is doing something new. His rule and reign is coming. He is inside us. You see, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Listen to this verse in 2 Corinthians um, 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and give us, see the language, give us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Now listen to this. Not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. <laughs> we are Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Wow. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are caught up in this mission. God imploring us. This is the key. This is the key. It's not, it's not, sometimes I think we think this, it's a, it's a big us. <laughs> and it's, it, it's, it's, it's sort of um, uh, a smaller church and, and the world. That's not the mission. That's not the mission. It's not all about us. The mission is this. The mission is just a little me. And we, we get to be in the church. And we get to redeem the world. And, and this is our job. This is our job. We get to redeem. We get to carry the reconciliation of Christ in us that affects the church, that affects the world. That's, that's the mission. That's the mission. It's, 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 it's mighty, isn't it? When you start to grab it and start to grapple with it and start to wrestle with it, you begin to see that God is imploring us, according to this verse, he's imploring us to be part of the mission. He's imploring us because it's Christ in us. You see it? It's Christ in us, so it's not just me. This is Christ in me. Working in the church, changing the world, changing our workplaces, changing our environments. And the early church and disciples realized this. They realized as the Spirit came upon them in Pentecost that they were a sent people, and they just started to do it. Peter started to do this in the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people got saved under his his, his bold proclamation of the gospel. He had never been to a seminar on how to, how to um, tell people about Jesus. He had never um, been to Bible school. He just, something happened. The power of God got inside him. Christ got inside him. The Holy Spirit filled him, and he began to proclaim. That's what disciples do. That's what the mission is. We proclaim the message of God, and we proclaim all over the place. We tell people near and far, that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And the, the early church heralded this good news, Jesus is Lord. And so when it comes to the church, we must realize that mission is the primary reason the church exists. It's the primary reason the church exists. There isn't mission because there is a church. There is a church because there is a mission. The church exists because there is a mission, and the church is the only organization that doesn't exist simply for the members in it. The church is the only organization that doesn't primarily exist just for the members in it. The missional impulse has to be the heartbeat of the local church, so there should always be an outward focus. There should always be a mission out there, always, always, always. And that's why we called it the apostolic mandate. That's why we said last week the word apostello was that word apostle meant to be sent, those who were sent an ambassador, those who were messengers of another thing. And so something happened every time, every time we say Jesus is Lord, we send shockwaves through the kingdom of darkness. Every time we declare in someone's life, Jesus is Lord, we send shockwaves into the kingdom of darkness. The enemy hits us. He hits us because it's the truth. It's the truth. He was defeated. And, and, and Jesus, by his death on the cross, defeated the rebel in me. He defeated the rebel in you. He defeated the rebellion on the earth. 
and he pronounced his mission and he's the king of the kingdom. And the problem of the church is today they want the kingdom, but they don't want the king. Sorry, but it gets me cross. They want the kingdom, but they don't want the king. And if you don't have the king, you can't have the kingdom. If you don't have the king reigning and living in your heart, then you don't and you can't have the kingdom. They can't co-labor. They can't co-dwell. And Jesus came to break our hearts. He came to set us free. And so our job is to wonder, where is our mission field? It's not, not just to be a little safe church. Who wants to be part of a little safe church? Who wants to be part of a church that just actually exists for, for itself? Who wants to be part of a church that just implodes? Who wants that? I don't want that. You don't want that, I'm sure. What about being part of something that will change the world? What about being part of something that will not just rewrite the story of this city, but rewrite the story of this nation and the nations of the world? That's what I want. I think that's what you want. And so what we do is we, we look at where we can extend this mission, where we can actually just fall in love with the king, that he breaks our heart all over again, and we just begin to realize that this story is the story that will change the earth. You know, every Monday or every Thursday now in this room, there's an average of 52 families that come in who are not connected to church at all. They come from both sides of the community, loads of kids. There's like every Wednesday, there's hundreds and hundreds of people who come into um, Slimming World classes, um, um, Weight Watchers classes. There's so many people. There's a mission field in this building every single week. Every single week. Shalom, this afternoon, four o'clock, we'll meet every single day, something going on in Shalom, um, every single day, from, from moms and toddlers to mission to giving out bread, and it, we're, we're, not, we're not called to cruise home, we're not called just to sit out safe, I feel really bad now about knocking that board down, just sorry, if I, but um, it was just a spur of the moment thing. But um, I just feel passionate that we become part of the mission, that we become part of a mission that will change the world forever. And so that's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. And, and, and what does this kingdom look like? Well, it just simply looks like some things. It looks like proclaiming the kingdom. It looks like a, a people living under the rule and reign of King Jesus. It looks like a people walking in his way has been formed in his likeness. It looks like a people like that... that that declare that Jesus is the Lord. That's, that's what it looks like. It looks like a people who proclaim the kingdom, who, who teach a new message of love, that they say, you know, if you allow this Jesus to live in you, love will begin to propel out of you. And, and it's that love is the fulfillment of the law that Paul writes in, to the church at Rome healing the sick, laying hands on people, seeking first the kingdom of God, a place where the kingdom rule manifests itself most starkly is in community, in community, in the community of the redeemed where, where people are rooted in Jesus and it's not an abstract thought, it's a, it's, it is a manifested community of people living under the rule and reign of Christ. Marty's gonna come, we're gonna finish with a song. I don't know when any of you remember Popeye, 
Anybody, anybody remember Popeye? Popeye the Sailor Man? Before Marvel? Before Iron Man? We had organic Popeye. He didn't need technology. He just needed good old organic spinach. All right? Happy for all the vegans and the vegetarians. He, would, he was the guy. And the story of Popeye was that he loved olive oil. She was the love of his life. And then there was this old demon, Bluto, and that what they called him, Bluto, and he was, just, he was just a thorn in Popeye's side. Then what would happen was it would get so bad that Popeye, he had this little, he had this little statement, he said, that's all I can stands, because I can't stands no more. That's all I can stands, because I can't stands no more. I get to travel a little bit. I get to talk to church leaders, and I'm still feeling guilty about hitting the board. But I feel guilty because I feel guilty because I I see this all the time. I see where the love of Jesus has depleted in the church. They want all the frills, but and and there's a little bit in me can't stand it no more. And what Popeye does, he gets his tin and he squeezes his tin and his spinach comes into his mouth and his muscles protrude and, he, and, he, and what's in him <laughs> changes him. And uh, when the spark gets into a person, it'll change them. When the spirit gets into a person, it will change them. It will bring spiritual muscle, spiritual boldness. It'll bring redemption. It'll bring the mission to change the world out of them. And that's my call to you. And so the, the good thing about this church is this, that in the survey last week, 72% of people said yes. Do you have people who you're praying for? 72% of people said yes. I, I love that. I love that. I love this here too, that 97% of people in this room who did this survey said, you believe you have the power of God available to you. Now those figures, those figures alone, those figures alone can change this nation. So I congratulate you. I just think that is awesome figures. And, and, and so why don't we do it? Why don't we, like, we have the opportunities. One of the things, we, we're a busy church, I know, and sometimes we're far too busy. I know that, and we talk about this in our staff and our elders at the time, but we just, we have a mission. We have a mission, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to be walking into heaven all fit and healthy and, and bright and bubbly. God, give me a body, and I'm, I, I want to wear it out for him, for his glory. I want to be, don't want to be walking in comfortable and fresh as a daisy, never having done a thing. I want to walk in knowing I've given it all. I want to walk into heaven's gates knowing I've, I've, I've beat the drum to the last beat. And I know you do too. And that's why we're busy. Not just, not just for action's sake, but because there's a world out there in each redeemed. So God, I pray today that you would seal every word to our hearts. I pray that you would bless and you would help us, Father, to see that Jesus is Lord. And when we say that statement, God, it will, it will bling through our hearts, God, and change us forever, knowing that it sends shockwaves into the kingdom of darkness.
So God, I just pray right now that you would minister your truth to each and every person in this room. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to worship. And, uh... We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.